Hey, what's good, everybody? You already know what it is. Just another episode of the Just Ivan Jr. podcast. And this is actually part two of our series of why the younger generation is leaving the church. And I hope you guys enjoyed part one. Part one was very, very fun. A lot of gems were being dropped, things of that nature. So now I got a whole new crew up in here for this one. And these people I have um, a good friendship and connection with each and every one of them. And I know you guys will enjoy them and what they have to say and all their opinions and things of that nature. So real quickly, this is the portion where I just want you guys just to introduce yourself and, uh, you know, say what you do, you know, say, say what you do, you know, I'll give you the longitude, latitude of how much you want to say, but y'all can just introduce yourself so everyone can know who you are. All right, well, I'll just go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Raven McKenzie. I an entrepreneur i've run a ministry here out of my store and i'm a mom and i love jesus there it is thank you that was beautiful amen (laughs) um i can go next uh my name is thomas uh also known as chavez i can see on the screen there um husband of uh one wife you know i'm a current student at uh lancaster bible college um uh getting my undergrad uh, graduate in uh biblical studies so Pressing through, you know what I mean? I work uh, full-time as a government contractor. So, you know, anybody who, know, who works and, you know, who you know who has a family and all that good stuff knows the struggle. So just pray for me there. But, you know, everything's good, and God's grace is sufficient for me. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll go next. Um, my name is Kirk Baltimore. I am uh, – I work currently as a uh, mental health social worker for the homeless – in Montgomery County, uh, Maryland. I have a uh, master's of social work um, in clinical uh, and clinical behavioral uh, practice and focus, um, and also a, uh, a grad certificate uh, from Princeton in uh, ministry. And so uh, just really, really happy to, to be here to just kind of just, you know, talk into you know, really kind of digest this, uh, this topic. All right. I guess I'll finish it. You know, I think I'm the last one left. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm been a teacher in Baltimore city for, this is going to my 10th year, teach middle school. Um, yeah, dad as well. Dad as well. to a beautiful little girl, husband as well. And super excited to talk with y'all. So. Kurt, you didn't mention that you're a husband as well. Your, your wife is going to be, she's going to be very mad at you. I am a, I am a husband as well. I didn't know that was the, the theme, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm a husband as well. Yeah, she's I'm trying to start some trouble, man. She's, so she's gonna get you. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm trying to help Kurt out, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying, I, I want him to redeem himself before, you I'm, know. A, I'm, a, I'm a husband, but I'm, I'm also a, a fur dad as well, so I guess I should say. Same yeah. here, brother, same here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> cool, now. Y'all got to know my guests a little a little bit better. And then for some people who watch y'all, me and Kurt have done a, a past episode, so y'all are pretty pretty familiar with Kurt as well. So let's get started with so let's start it off with this. So what are you guys' experience with the church like? What is your upbringing like? Like uh what is your experience like in the church? Like how you grew up? Like did you grow up in the church or did you not grow up in the church and did you experience church later? Things of that nature, like what are you guys' you know backgrounds with church? Don't all talk at once. I mean, 
first. I don't mind being first. But, That's what I'm uh, talking about. Go ahead. <laughs> um, okay, so I was not raised in church. Um, my first experience with church, other than my christening, which I can't remember because I was zero years old, but was when I was a kid. And I used to go only so I could spend the night in my cousin's house. So it was one of those God kind of snuck me on the back end. Mm. And um, I didn't go often. I went probably once or twice a month. But I remember the environment very well. I remember I never wanted to be in children's church. I wanted to be out front with the adults. But when I turned 13 and went on to high school, I turned on the news one day. And I had seen that my pastor was shot in the head and killed. And so this was out here, Brooks driving, Suitland. And the first thing that I thought to myself was, well, God didn't save him. And he's a pastor. So why do I need to go to church? So I never went back until, you know how God calls you. And it's just one of those things where time basically freezes and you know that you're being something. You don't really know what it is, but you want to explore it deeper. So one day my friend picked me up. She said, hey, come to church with me on Sunday. I was like, no, 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 no. And she said, well, I'm on my way now. Just meet me there. I'm on the phone talking with her the whole time. The Holy Spirit led her car to my house. She didn't even get to church. She just was outside my house. So I went with her and then the rest is history. Gave my life to Christ and immediately went into ministry and fell in love with God. But still did not really grasp church every church that i was ever in the first church that i went to there was just things that i was a new i was a baby in christ but i knew some things were not the way that christ is supposed to function mm -hmm. and so as much as i tried to stay there i wanted to be there i was like a kid being dragged out of a candy store but god told me to leave and he made it impossible for me to get there i mean People who were giving me rides to church stopped going to the church. I My car was repossessed. I couldn't even, th things were just crazy happening to me where I couldn't get to church. So then he planted me in another place. And at this place, he was showing me all of the things that were not like him. So every church that I've ever been planted into, number one, God sent me there to expose the things that are not supposed to be, to bring correction and then to leave. So my upbringing in church, I had to understand very young when God sends me to a place that's not for my good, essentially, in the beginning, it's very much um, to bring correction and instruction. And so I kind of developed a, a broader definition of what I thought church was. I understand church now to be the assembly of people who love God, not the institution, not the business, not the four walls of one address. But if we are of one faith and one baptism, then anywhere that someone is gathered is is church and so now i mean i have church regularly i'm regularly gathered more than once or twice a week with people who love the lord and believe in god you know it, it's it, it's bible seeking intimacy seeking it's relationship seeking whereas before it was very much we're doing this because we've been doing it for 500 years and we're not going to change and, and i hear you but I don't really want to go there. I understand that you want prayer, but our schedule really doesn't permit for that. And that to me, if Jesus goes after that one, then why when one person comes to you with something that they're dealing with, you can't make time for that. So I've learned early to just disassociate from that idea of what church is, you know, that kind of worldview church that says you have to be perfect. You have to wear the church hat. You have to do this. You have to do that. 
it's very much bondage and not freedom. So my, like I said, my uh, background experience with church is a little different, but regularly I am gathered with people who love God. So that's, that's where. All right. Amen. Amen. I like to hear that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that Raven. Uh, who, who's next? <laughs> Just hop on in. Don't be I, I could jump in. I, I like what 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 you said, Raven, about uh, how early on in your your career and like your you know in your walk with God that you went like to be able to sleep over your cousin's house because um, I was raised in the church. Um, my grandfather's a pastor. Um, moved all around from Philly to New York, where my parents met. Um, I used to live in in, in Philly for a while. Um, and I loved the experience that I had with my my family in church. It was awesome when I was young. Um, as I got older, you know, living in New York, um, my grandparents didn't really live with us. Um, I didn't really spend a lot of time at the church. My dad never went, um, never, ever went. Um, so when my mom could take us, we used to go, but that was really it. So, you know, I'm, I'm moving my way through high school. I end up going to college. Um, and in college, I think what resonated with me the most, Raven, is my grandparents used to take me to church. And the only reason I used to go on the low is because they used to take me to breakfast afterwards. Mm. So I used to go. And my grandmother used to be like, yo, come to church. We'll go to Denny's. We'll go to IHOP. I'm like, say less, Graham. Say less. Like, we're going to go. We're going to go. Um, so, you know, um, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Um, I meet my, you know, I meet my wife, you know, my girlfriend at the time. And, and she goes with me. Um, and, you know, we both end up at the end of the year getting these jobs in Baltimore. And, you know, I went to go tell my grandparents about it. And, and the Holy Spirit hit me like a ton of bricks. Like it just... Mm. It was just that moment. I remember it was March 21st, um, only because the date was three to one. So I was like, oh, time's up. Like something got to change. Um, and it was just it, it, it was just a radical change for me. You know, I was always a little hesitant because every church I go to and even now still, I know we're going to get into it is like, yeah, like it's missing something. You can always find something that's missing. Like, yeah, you know, I like the message, but the music was eh, or like. You know, this was cool, but the vibe was off or somebody didn't say hi to me, like all of those kind of things. You know, I, I think that it's it's real easy to look for that reason why we shouldn't do something. Um, but, yeah, that really resonated with me. So I appreciate you sharing that. Okay. All right. Thank you, Brother Matt. Yes, I like that. OK. All right. Y'all, too. Come on. Yeah. I, you know, um, like Matt, uh, my my grandfather was uh, still is um, he, a bishop over a few churches. Uh, throughout the DMV area. Um, and so I grew up very heavily in the Pentecostal scene. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my whole family was and still is involved in ministry pretty heavily in the Pentecostal scene. And um, it's just something that, like, has kind of been, like, second nature in a way, um, to the extent that, like, I felt like anything else outside of that I really did not, you know, recognize this like part of my identity in a way. Um, so it was interesting that my father, who's also from Philly, met, um, uh, was not really into the, the church scene and met my mother in college. And um, he never really went to church uh, with me and my mom. It was mostly me, uh, my mother and my younger brother. And we would just kind of go and, um, raised there. I'd be there several times a week uh, for my mother's rehearsals, Bible studies, that type of thing, evening services. So like I felt like I was in church like quite a bit um, and grew up with it. So like it's always felt very 
you do this, you know, you, you, you know, in order to get the Holy spirit, you, you got to speak in tongues. It was very, it was very cemented, you know, and, um, you know, so like my goal at the end being that my grandfather was uh, in, you know, leadership, it was like, hey, you know, I, I should aspire to do the same thing. I should follow in his footsteps. And so that's kind of like what really excited me as a kid. So whereas other kids were talking about MTV and, you know, all of that type of stuff, I was thinking about different dioceses in my, you know, grandfather's organization. So like that's what it's always been. Um, you know, and now that I am, you know, 33 years old, married, you know, it's my, my view on the church has shifted a bit. Um, you know, I certainly believe that a lot of the things that I've seen in the church um, has definitely made me kind of like, not second guess in a way, but kind of turn me off if we're being real. Um, just about like how we perceive life, the struggles that people go through, um, how we uh, perceive God's blessings, uh, how churches are doing money, all of that, especially with like really vulnerable populations and vulnerable people. Um, and also even like the hierarchical uh, structures in the church and how harmful it is uh, to people who may be easy to manipulate. Um, you know, and all of those things. So like, I'm kind of in a place right now where it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. Like I love God, you know, love God so, so, so much. And my relationship is so much better, but the traditionalism still like weighs on me, you know, and it's, it feels almost as if like, I'm going against something by trying to prioritize what I believe God really wants me to prioritize. Good answer. Okay. All right, Kurt. Thank you. I guess I'm left. Um, yeah, you were I, late. You know, <laughs> you know, I got. You know, I grew up. I got. You know, what I'm saying with the jail three times. No, I'm just joking. I, I'm just. I'm just playing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have a big uh, story. You know, like uh, like a lot of people do, and you know, it's hard it's to follow. Your story. It's your story. <laughs> hard to follow. Uh, you know, the testimonies that I heard, which is which are still which is encouraging to me. Um, you know, for my my church background, I grew up. Uh, going, I, I had a kind of interesting uh, church background. I grew up going to a church, um, Southeast DC called First National Deliverance Center. That was my home church back in the day. You know, it was uh, non-denominational, but it was definitely like Pentecostal and, you know, holiness, definitely, you know, you can't wear the jeans. I was, you know, oh, yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> you know I was, I resonate with Raven was saying, you know, you couldn't oh, wear yeah. the, you know, the pants and all that stuff like that. And, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was a definitely different, you know, different experience. People jumping around, shouting and all that stuff like that. So I kind of grew up, I grew up with that, but also grew up, um, my, my family, just giving more context, my father and my mother, they split up uh, when I was, when I was younger. And so I kind of uh, grew up going, you know, going to uh, church um, with my grandmother, the Holiness Church, and also my, uh, my stepmother, she would take us to church. Uh, it was, it was a white church. It was more traditional. Um, and so I kind of had both kind of experiences, if you will, the American uh, experiences of church, if you will, um, you know, uh, but I remember uh, maybe at the age of eight, uh, you know, uh, someone presented the gospel of Jesus Christ to me. I believed it. And, uh, you know, and I knew that Jesus was real. I knew that he uh, that he died for my sins and that he was coming back. And so uh, I gave my life to Christ. Uh, I got uh, baptized. I gave my life to Christ. I got baptized. And that night I had a dream that I was telling people uh, about the coming of Christ and uh, and and um 
you know, just preaching the gospel. So I knew God had a call on my life at a very young age. But, um, you know, uh, long story short, my uh, father moved to Texas and I stayed most of my time in the Pentecostal church, you know, in the holiness church. And I call it my bad diet. You know what I mean? Um, you know, scripture, you know, uh, I, and I resonate with what uh, Matt said and what Kirk said. I, actually, all of you all, because you, you both, you all mentioned that there are certain things that the church does that it doesn't align with the word of God. And so you kind of go along with it because it's culture. So that's what I did. I went along with the culture. I wanted to to really grow and know who Christ was, but I followed basically what I seen, you know what I mean? And, and you know, and what, you know, you can't really help it. You know, you, you do what you see. Right. And so, um, you know, did all those things, uh, spoken tongues, run around. And, and one thing I will say is that I will, I will never delegitimize anyone's experience of church, but also, but also will, will add something to say, you know, you want to be able to examine why you do the things you do and what are you looking for, right? And, and the purpose. And so, um, so yeah, so that, uh, but yeah, long story short, grew up, I called my bad diet, had a, you know, bad theological understanding of who God is, just very self-conscious of my sin. And I, to me, I was going to hell every day because I couldn't stop sinning. I'm like, Lord, if I, if I die today, I'm gone. You know what I mean? But it wasn't until I met my wife, um, uh, my beautiful wife, Maya, you know, we've been married seven years uh, in August. So, you know, praise God about that. But um, yeah, I met, you know, that was 11 years ago. And so uh, one time I met her, she challenged my view of who God is and who salvation and what salvation really is. And so I kind of was like, you know, it, it was hard for me to understand, but it, in the core of my being, I knew she was right. But my church mm. upbringing, kind, you know, mm. kind of conflicted with that. And so, you know, I remember one day, uh, you know, just sitting there thinking, just constantly the scriptures, because these are questions I've always had. I'm like, God, how can you allow me to die and go to hell if I just if I don't remember to repent or something? You know what I'm saying? Or if I'm caught off guard and you know, but she reminded me that you know the gospel of grace. You know what I mean? And truth that that you know if you're if you're saved that God has you. You know what I'm saying? You know, God said Jesus said it himself. He said those who you know I I lose none who my Father gave me. You know what I'm saying? And so you know, so I just I you know I believe that I hold I stand on it. Um, yeah, and so you know uh, you know fast forward now in life. You know um been through a church uh, transi- transition. So that should add some uh, some more uh, color to this conversation. Um, right now I'm in the, in the middle of, you know, trying to find out where God wants me to be. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, that's where I am now. That's a great alley to what I'm about to ask next. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you, my brother. No problem. My brother from another mother. All right. <clears throat> so this is kind of a loaded question, but just answer if it applies to you, if, it, if this makes sense. Okay, so my first question I'm going to ask ask you guys is pretty much: All right, do you currently go to a like go to a church currently? And if you do, are you just like a regular attender? Like you just you know you just attend there, you know what I'm saying? You're not really involved, you know what I mean? Or are you are like a member? You are committed, or do you just go like once a month? You know what I mean? Like 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 that? Okay, <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying? Um. And then if you do, then, you know, just answer the question like that. Now, if you don't attend the actual church right now, I want you to tell me that you don't, like, that you don't, and then explain why that you don't currently go to a church at this moment. So, pretty much whatever applies to you, just answer how, you know, whatever the question lies. So, so right now, I go to, um, uh, I do go to a church to answer your first question. Uh, I go to Zion, uh, their location in Greenbelt, uh, pastors Keith Battle, a very, very um, wonderful church, uh, non-denominational. Um, and I am not 
involved in the ministry as uh, like I was at my last church, at my home church, my grandfather's church. Um, and I really love that. Um, I really, uh, you know, I think that sometimes there's like this pressure that in order for you to be close to God, you have to be active in a specific type of way. Um, and so, you know, when I go back to visit, you know, my uh, grandfather's church, whether it be for a holiday or something, um, they ask me that, you, you know, are you pretty much operating the way, are you preaching? Are you teaching like you were here? And it's no, you know, but I feel like what God is actually doing um, is that I'm actually really, really uh, active in ministry at my job, kind of like what Raven was saying. Mm -hmm. um, there are people that I meet every day, you know, who are uh, street homeless or recently homeless um, uh, who may not necessarily have seen, uh, you know, may not necessarily have experienced Christ in any type of way. And I may be the closest person that they have to that. And to be able to, you know, really support them in ways that may not necessarily feel as spiritual as what I'm used to, um, it still manifests in very sincere and, and physical and genuine ways. And, you know, I think that with, um, especially when we look at the gospel, uh, Jesus was definitely about saving those, but he was also really about community. And he was really about, you know, taking care of the physical need, um, especially throughout the gospel of Luke. We, we see that often. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's, it's different. Um, so, like, I definitely still feel that pressure to do it from, my culture, uh, kind of like how uh, Thomas was saying, uh, but it's it feels good to not necessarily do the things that I was doing um, and being able to experience God in a, in a different type of way than what I'm used to. Hold on. Before someone else jump into, I want to highlight something you actually said, Kurt, uh, which, is, which is really good, actually. And um, I think more churches should take note of this is the fact that, um, granted, it's cool, like it's cool, and 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 there is an importance to serving at the church in different ministries and th of that. But we often have to remember, like you know, we like we are the church. The church, you know, is not limited to the four walls. So the fact that you know you are representing the church in the kingdom of God and you are a Christ follower, you know, what I'm saying, and people around you at your job, you know, what I'm saying, especially where you work at, you know, they like they know these things. So you actually just being the light of Christ at people that you know out out of the four walls and out of the you know the church. And just being there and being with them, you know, and, and giving them, you know, the biggest example of what Jesus is going to like is, be, you know, is right. That I think that's really powerful in itself, too, because a lot of times, you know, we could talk about Jesus and God at church and all this and that, blah, blah, blah. But then when you go back home or you go back to work or you go back to any other these places, like some people don't even know yeah. that you follow Jesus. You know what I mean? So the fact that you are actually doing it and that's one thing I feel like the church should promote more is, you know, be, like evangelizing at work or at the supermarket or at the grocery store. And it's, you know, evangelize is not just like, oh, let me hold this sign up here and saying, like, you know, you're going to hell. You know, like, you know, not that type of evangelizing, but like having the conversations and, you know, just being where people are at. And, and you, so I think I just had to highlight that. That's a very, you know, very good thing that you're doing. And that, you know, you don't have to have a position in church to be a benefit to the kingdom of God. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. All right. My bad. Let's go, y'all. Who's next? Who's next? I can go next. 
Um, I am not um, currently attending a church. Um, but I love what you just said, Ivan, because like I think when I when you sent these questions, you know, earlier I was a little nervous about this question. Um, you know, in in the fact that I'm not, you know what I mean? I think there was a level of like maybe shame with it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love what you said about, you know, it's it's not necessarily the four walls, you know, and and you know, we were always told that growing up, and and of course yeah. it's it's super important. Um, but really in, in our acts of service and what we do, you know, in the in in how we you know, pour our cups into others, really, um, and how we feel, you know, how we fill others up. Um, so <clears throat> uh, I haven't been, um, like, at a home, home church, I guess, Ivan, since AOC, um, you know, which was a while, a while ago, um, you know, served on the, uh, you know, on the worship team, um, you know, was really involved with the ministry, you know, my wife had started first, um, and I thought that it was just amazing watching her connection with God and being able um, to just pour her, her heart, her heart out, um, and be able to feel so close to him. And it was, it was just something that I'd really, really wanted more of. Um, you know, so I took the journey and did it as well. Um, but you know, there were issues, um, with that in the end, um, that kind of broke me away from that church specifically. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the bureaucracy and, and, you know, how you all spoke about, you know, a lot of tradition before, you know, loving on people. Um, and I think that really what, what kind of broke me away from it was, um, something that even in, in my professional career is so important to me, which is just really clear communication. Like, I think that it's really difficult. Um, you know, it's really difficult to, to, to be lovers of Christ when we're scared to talk to people and when we're scared to be direct with people. Um, and obviously, you know, nobody here is perfect at that. Like, I'm not perfect at it. I've been doing my job for 10 years. And, I, you know, I'm, I, it's still hard to have a difficult conversation with a kid or an adult sometimes. Right. Um, but I think that some of those um, kind of situations where I don't really want to hurt your feelings or I don't want to do this. So I'm going to kind of say it a different way or speak through somebody else. I think, um, unfortunately, especially when you're in the really formative years of, you know, I had just moved to Baltimore by myself. You know, I've never been here before. I'm a New York boy. Um you know, I don't have any family here whatsoever. So, you know, I got here and I kind of, you know, threw myself into the church with my wife and, you know, to feel hurt by the church, it was really damaging. Um, you know, so, you know, we tried to find different churches and, and find that experience. And like I mentioned in the beginning, it's hard to, it's hard when, when, when you're still dealing with those open wounds that everywhere you go, you're like, well, you know, this is wrong in this place. Or like, you know, I don't really like the vibe here or there wasn't enough diversity in this place. Like you always find something wrong. Um, mm-hmm. so I think what it caused in the end really is like, you know, diving into work and sometimes that's for the better. And sometimes it's for the worse, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pouring into these young people all day. Um, but you know, also at a point I understand and, and I recognize the importance, like, you know, if I'm not spiritually fed, how am I going to be able to feed, you know what right. I'm saying? And, and I'm getting to the point now where I really understand it and I feel it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Hey. Thanks. Thanks for answering that. Very honest. Honestly, yeah. that's the reason why. Like, I, the reason why I asked this this type, this specific type of question is so because whoever's listening, they could be in a relatable, you know, because we all can relate to it because we probably all left somewhere before, of course, you know, for a reason that kind of you know broke us and hurt and hurt us from trying out another church. And as you just stated, you know, like we'll find any reason because you know, like we just are not. 
feeling it right now. Like we went through this one issue with church, and I just and you know we're just not trying to we're just not in a in a mental capacity right now, or even a spiritual capacity right now to deal with you know another church. So the fact that you know in your specific situation, that's very you know people need to hear that because people have related and, and dealt with that. I, I've dealt with a similar situation like that before too. So like you know I, I appreciate you you know even answering and you know there's no shame in it you know i don't want you to feel shameful for that you know even reading the question but don't don't be ashamed because of that you know i appreciate I mean? it thank you yeah, i have a question well maybe not a question but more of a comment because i i think i resonate more with you matt mm-hmm. just off of this like when the questions were first asked it wasn't even shame to me it was offense like mm-hmm. i felt offended like mm-hmm. Oh, here's another situation where you're going to be prejudged if you don't go to church. Right. right. And um, what you said about how can you how can you feel when you're not being spiritually fed? I used to battle with that. Mm-hmm. I but but it was the Holy Spirit that had to tell me another person cannot feed you better than I can feed you. And if you would open up your words, you're going to be fed nonetheless. And so I have. And that this is me. I have discerned the difference between fellowship and wise counsel. So I can feed myself. I can, the Holy Spirit can give me what I, what needs to be gave, you know, when I open up the Bible. But when I find myself in desert places or places where my wisdom not lead me, that's when I'm going and seeking wise counsel from, you know, a pastor or somebody or a friend or whoever that has been there before that knows God lead me and walk with me through that place so now there isn't shame you know well when I say I don't fellowship with the church because it's not for me it hasn't become about again the building it's become do you know God do you love God do you read your word do you have a relationship with God and from what he feels in you are you pouring into us? my whole ministry is called pour so it's, you you know, God fills and then we pour and it's a continuous, ever flowing stream. And, you know, the, the, the more that we feast on God, we learn that we don't even feed others from ourselves. We feed overflow of God. And so from that perspective, it's like, yeah, there's there's some people who've chewed the meat and it can feed it to you and it tastes good. But God is always the ultimate best teacher. So I never feel not spiritually fed because I know that I'm always in the presence of God. Mm. Um, but to answer the question, I forgot where I was even going with that. <laughs> I don't go to church. I don't go to church, but um, God sent my store is a church. If that makes sense. Um, it's one of those things that like I knew very early on, like you said, you had the dream as soon as you gave your life to Christ. My very first fast, God showed me every single night of that fast, different pieces of who I am, different pieces of my journey. And um, I knew that it would be ministry and I knew that it was it, it was an urgent situation. Like I, God has put things. I'm very aggressive when it comes to things of the spirit. Like I'm not that person who's afraid to have the hard conversation. We're going to have it and it's going to be what it's going to be. And I don't got time to play with your feelings because you're so <laughs> like that's and, and by the grace of God. He made me very sword in that way where I don't have time to play with the enemy he's not playing with us so why do I gotta care about your feelings you know but at the same time the way to do things gracefully of course of course we all know this but he showed me very early on what it would be and I ran from it I said I'm not about to be I'm not even I don't have a church background I don't I don't even speak how these people speak I don't dress how these people dress 
I, I'm not about to sit up here and wear a robe. I'm not about to do none of that. Like, if you want me to do it, then I got to do it like me, not like them. And I didn't understand that there was grace and understanding that God created you the way that you are and created you good. And he's going to use those pieces that you hate, that you're trying to hide from, that you're so ashamed of to reach the very specific number of people whose ears perk up at the sound of your ministry. And so I ran from it. I did. I cut the lights off, turned it, put it on the shelf, left. God, I see you on, 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 on Sunday at church. And the more that I began to rebel, just the more difficult my church life became. You know, it, it was like, I'm starving in here and I'm not being fed. And I want something to happen. And no one in here is equipped to make this happen. Mm -hmm. I know it's in me, but I'm just going to sit on the side because order, because decency, because my pastor said I'm too young, because somebody else said you shouldn't be doing this right now, because somebody said you're inexperienced in the body. And so I sat myself aside, one, because of fear, two, because elders and leaders and pastors in the church told me, no, this isn't what you should be doing. You need to sit down and see God when I knew, like how you said, Chop, you knew. There was a knowing and you were like, God, what's up? I know that I'm supposed to do this, but culture is telling me otherwise. And so after I got from underneath that and I came into a, a, a place of um, just just being by myself with God for like a year straight. I went on sabbatical for real. God, let me re- let me re- you to find out that you really want me to do this before I jump out here. And as I was seeking him, he started sending people into my store just because God was on the door. Mm. They thought it was a church when they walked it. They didn't even care that candles and home decor and whatever else was on the shelf. They say, oh, is this a church? I'm telling you, mm. five, 10 people a month walking in. Hey, is this is this a church? Like God confirmed for me. Raven, you can't escape this. Next thing you know, I'm doing prayer nights every Tuesday just because I do prayer nights and five people just decided to start paying their tithes and offerings to me to the point that I'm holding money in my cash app. Like, God, what am I supposed why are people paying their tithes over here? This is not a church. This is not a church. Let me refund everybody just for everybody to send the money back and say, God said, pay my tithes over here. And so it was, okay, God, I hear you. I see you. You're not even letting me avoid this calling. Let this be church you want this to be a church or let it be a church so now yes regularly three days a week we're gathered in here but it's i don't want to say it's my church it's god's church but i have that um well god is my covering but as far as another church i don't i don't fellowship at a church regularly outside of these these four walls here that god had me to build i don't have that and i don't feel ashamed for having that because every place I led me, he led me away from after my assignment was complete. And like I said, I learned that it's about people. I mean, the most people that have, almost everyone that I've ministered to has said that they've seen Jesus more outside the church than in it. And that breaks my heart because it's like, if you go into church for theatrics and theater and to feel good for five seconds, then why are you even going? Because you're being unchanged. You know, I've seen people die in their addictions in church. I've seen people struggle and not know who to go to for help in church. Oh, I can't ask the pastor because they're too busy. Oh, I can't ask them because they have the fundraiser. Oh, I can't get this. They don't have time, you know, and then to turn around and have something like this where it's normal to see 
random people giving their lives to Christ here. It's 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 normal to see people fall out in deliverance here. It's normal to see these things where my church background, it was not normal to see those things. So, you know, I mean, the short answer will be, yeah, attend church. If we're looking at it as, as just, you know, people who believe in God, but if we're talking about the institution of it, then no, it's, it's just a strong no for me. Gotcha. Okay. All right. All right, sir. I have to say, you know, back in the, um, I don't know if you, Ivan, I'm sure, sure that you read all the time, but like in the Old Testament, they talked about how uh, a lot of the, you know, people would build altars wherever they were. And that would be like their access to God. And what Raven said is, I mean, like, I mean, Raven, it's a church at this point. I mean, like, you know, you know, the the fact that people are coming and Sounds being, like blessed, it, yeah. being blessed by you and feeling the need to like even tithe, like they feel the presence of God there, you know. Yeah. And so I just I I find that to be just really beautiful. So I, I was just really touched by that. Yeah, it's definitely a church at this point. What do you it like? Is, it or not? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a church. What do you like it or not? So mm. oh, that's what's good, Raven. Yeah. I be the Lord, cause y'all know I wasn't gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chop. Oh yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Right now, um, I'm actually. Uh, well, I mentioned earlier that um, that I, I'm in a transitional period where I do I do wanted to want to find uh, another house of worship, right? You know what I mean. I use that that quote loosely. Um, so I currently, right? So I currently attend this place called Solid Rock Church. Um, it's in uh, it's in Lanham. And, uh, you know, so far I've been there. It's been, it's been nice. It's been pretty good. I, I think that, uh, you know, just thinking about uh, this whole thing, I think that um, just to use my own experience, I believe that God, one, the pandemic really challenged a lot of people, a lot of ideas about church and about, you know, what it means to be in fellowship and, mm-hmm. and everything. Quite frankly, you know, just to be honest, I think God called a lot of the, the pandemic to happen so that it could challenge the way that we that we worship him you know what i mean just from my own, my own experience my old church i served in a, in a ministry called branches and where you know served for uh uh for high school college and young adults you know what i mean come coming out of college and everything and so you know we would gather uh every uh every week every like about twice a month and uh you know just you know we either did a bible study or we did uh you know some sort of conversational game night or whatever you know how you know how it goes and so but, you know, uh, but I was involved in so much, you know what I mean? And, I, and I'm not sure if every, you know, I know you guys probably experienced it, maybe not. But, um, you know, where I was involved in, you know, the young adult ministry, then I had I got calls, you know, pulled to come and do this. You know what I'm saying? Can you do that? Can you come do this? Can you come do that? And to me, it, it got so overwhelming that I remember like, man, like this is, you know what I'm saying? Just thinking like, yo, how am I, you know, I can't do this. Like what Raven said, I'm pouring so much out, but I'm not, I don't feel like it's, you know what I'm saying? Coming back to me, you know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, and so, uh, you know, in, in that, that month, the, during the pandemic, the pandemic started in March of 2019. No, I'm sorry, not March. Uh, it was, uh, was it March of 2019? March. It was, yes, like, it was, mid, it was like mid-March of 2020. Mid-March, right. And so I, I remember because it was my church's uh, 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 missions conference. And that's the biggest time of the, of the month. Everybody's busy. Everyone's doing this, doing that. And God shut it down right there. And God spoke to my heart and said, I shut down this church. I shut down the world in the most busiest time of, of you know, of this church's life. Just for me, I'm like, you know, because of God speaking to me in that way. And I'm like, and he's like, you know, why is that kind of like kind of just kind of questioning? And I'm looking like, man, we 
we really have a Martha complex, man. You know what I mean? Where we're serving, you know what I'm saying? We're serving so much and we're not doing the the thing that Mary, you know, Jesus said one thing I've desired, right? You know what I mean? The, you mm -hmm. know, she she sat at Jesus' feet, you know, someone Mary now sitting at Jesus' feet, you know what I'm saying? And why, you know what I'm saying? Serving him and, and just, just want to be a part of who he is. And I think that, you know, the culture of church, you know, we serve and we do things and we do that and we jump through hoops so much and we lose the heart at, of worshiping Christ in spirit and in truth, right? Um, and so, you know, uh, I'm on this, you know, this, this path where trying to figure out what does it look like to be in a congregation uh, to, uh, um, you know, to not do what I used to, but also re-challenge the things that I, that I didn't know, you know what I mean, that I, that I think I knew, and, and meet God where he is um, right now because, you know, I, I feel like, you know, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not raving. You know what I mean? Where she has her, she had the people coming to her, man. That's, that's not my, you know, I'm not where I, that's not where I am right now. And so, for me, it's like not trying to reinvent the wheel, right? If people are, you know, are coming to a congregation, I'm going to just show up. You know, so I'm going to go because um, that's where they are. That's where they gather. Uh, and if there's a faithful person that's speaking, preaching the word of God, and he, and he loves God, he loves his family, and he's doing it with integrity, I'm going to show up. You know, what I mean, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to, uh, you know, be a part of of what's going on. But, you know, again, man, I think that uh, that this time is is we have to re really reevaluate what does it look like to be the church? What is the church? I mean, you mentioned you mentioned it earlier, like we're the church. Right. Jesus asked Peter, he said, who do people say that I am? Right. You know what I mean? Peter said, you know, people say that you're, the, you know, that you're the prophet, that you are, you know, this, you know, they say you're John the Baptist. And then Jesus asked Peter, he said, well, who do you say that I am? Right. He said, who do you say that I am? Peter mm -hmm. said, you are the son of, you know, say that you are the Christ, the son of God. Right. Jesus says, bless you, are Peter, you know, Simon uh, uh, Barjona, you know, what I'm saying blessed are you because uh, this this thing has been revealed to you was not revealed to you by your own will, your own volition. Right. But God revealed it to you. Right. And then he tells Peter, he says, he says, I'm going to build my assembly. Right. My ecclesia, my, my church. Right. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Whenever we see churches and hell is prevailing against it, I question if it's a real church. Because Jesus said that my church will not, will, will you know, the gates of hell will come up against it, but it won't prevail. You know what I mean? yep. And so, I, so I, I, I kind of look like, okay, God, but what is happening? Now, I'm not saying that if a, if a church is struggling or, you know, they're going through a process of, you know what I'm saying, of, of, of changing or, you know what I'm saying, or it's even stubbornness sometimes, right? God will use that and he'll bring correction. But what I am saying Remembering what Jesus said back in, in Revelation as well. Jesus said, you know, remember your first love. If you don't, I'm going to blow out your candle. You know what I mean? And we see and history tells us that those churches no longer exist. You know what I mean? And, you know, in Revelation. So so the point I'm making is that I think that we have to really reevaluate what church is. Remember that it's us. I'm the church. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You're the church. You know, those who are, have put their faith in Jesus Christ and, and those ones that that God called out is, is the church. Right. And, you know, what do we do? Okay. We gather together. Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, that's, that's about it really. You know what I mean? So, you know, I agree with everyone, what everyone was saying about, um, you know, you know, where you are, the church is, but also do, do still have this conviction that even when we have a church, there should, there still should be some sort of order and, and, and decency, because that's going off what scripture says. Paul said it as well in first Corinthians, right. You know, you got, y'all doing this, but this is out of order, right? So again, understanding what it is to be a church in the 21st century, right? And and you know, and figuring out the the dynamics of that, but also doing it in a way that God is being glorified and not us. So, yeah, good, good, okay. Yeah. Thank, yeah. thank you, guys, for everybody's input, man. This has been good.
All right, so now let's get let's get a little let's get spicy now a little bit. All right, uh, so what do what do you think the main issues are? <clears throat> the main issues are with the church today. What are the issues? Like, what do you think is the problems? What do you think? Why there's such a disconnect when it comes to millennials or the Gen Z now? Like, why? What is the? What do y'all think is the main issues today? As to why they're leaving, or just here? Um, leaving, leaving will be the main thing. But if you want to just say, um, period. I mean, period. Then I'm cool with that as well. But like, why know. they're leaving? Like, yes. what's, what's yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I don't think that that's a a, a bite-sized answer, but um exactly. One of the things that I would say by experience is pastors or church members trying to win the younger generations over with tactics instead of mm. testimony. Like you can't win me by with a tactic. I need to know that you've been there and you're now here. You know, I can't put it on the smoke screens and the machines and the, the all this extra stuff to make you feel young. To give it a young feel does not mean that you're attracting me there. Like I think a mosquito knows the difference between blood and honey. So I'm not going to just come to a place because you say come and you're trying to do things that you think attract me. I want to see authenticity. I want to see truth i want to see everything unashamed unhindered your actual truth that looks like my truth because then i want to be in that area i want to be with like so people like so testimony where i don't have to come to the through the door and pretend if you're pretending at the at the head what is the rest of the congregation going to be doing when i get in there? so i look at that and then also just in general i've seen churches who will uh, separate or isolate someone or kick someone out for something as simple as being pregnant outside of marriage or being gay or, you know, everything that Jesus would have went after and had dinner with, we say, no, that has to go. And I'm reminded, I want to say it's first Corinthians 12 when he's, when Paul is talking about this, he says, you know, we're all members of the body. He said, yeah, th th there might be some small parts that we consider in insignificant, but they're indisposable. So you can't just decide that a fingernail, because it's a fingernail, has to be tossed to the side. Or because it starts to grow fungus that you don't want to deal with it and just throw it to the side. Because we're, we're supposed to be one. And I think that they have gotten to this mindset where the hands are okay being the hands over in the corner. And the brain is okay being the brain uh, up there somewhere. The eyes are okay sitting separate. And we don't realize that to have a cadence to move together, we have to be together. There's a place for these different, um, what do you want to call them, denominations or different, you know, different strengths, different testimonies, different people that are gathered together. There is a place in the body for that. Otherwise, God would not have allowed it to come into existence. There wouldn't be people who, you know, there are whole churches out here that are just reformed gang members. I wouldn't sit up in there and go, but I know <laughs> you love God, you know right, what I mean? Right. 
And there's a place for that in the body. And so when we learn to cooperate with our brothers and sisters and their testimony, along with our, you know, with, with our testimony and understand that we're on the same team and not a different team. And I can't judge you because I'm Pentecostal and wear white gloves and you're tatted from the head to your feet. Like when we stop the judgment and understand that testimony is testimony, we'll want to be more drawn together. But we've just become just isolated. You got to look exactly like me or I can't fellowship with you, or any other thing that we, somebody said it earlier, we look for things to be wrong and just decide that you're wrong and I'm right and I'm going to isolate. But even in the book of Proverbs, it says that a person who isolates, they're seeking their own, mm -hmm. uh, what you call them, they're, 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 they're after their own desire. So isolation isn't one of those things that we should be doing, but yet, I mean, like like I said, it's, it's not a bite size. That's just my two cents for it. This is the reason why I asked it. Because there's many different answers. So, you know, because there's, there's a list. I'm sure there's a list everybody can say. So, you know, I just want to let's go through it. Yeah. Talk about it. Um, honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in because I've, I've been enjoying listening. But I'll, I'll chime in. I'll chime in for this one. Um, I think to me, uh, if, I, if I had to do a pet, okay, so my, my, to me, I feel like there's a, a lack of, of, of education and knowledge when it comes mm. to leadership in the pulpit. And to me, I feel like the a, a real big disconnect. <laughs> like, and granted, a lot of these leaders, like, they grew up in this system, right? So there's a product of being in that system, regardless, regardless of the fact it's still wrong. So to me, there's not enough, like, 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 they're not really teaching Bible. We're teaching traditions. Like, we're teaching all these titles that are not biblical. We're doing all this stuff that's not really in the Bible. Now, is all of it 100% wrong? I mean, not necessarily. But at the end of the day, we there's a lot of tradition in churches that don't matter at all, like, whatsoever. And and it's getting to the point where it's like, okay, I feel like another issue in the body of believers, too, is the fact that we are, we were too gung-ho about minor issues, secondary issues versus what, what, what the main issue is. Mm -hmm. Salvation. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the big stuff. Like that's what really matters. We told we're so gung ho about secondary issues, like like little minor stuff, like you know, stuff that's not a salvation issue. And we're too gung ho about that. And that's why we do have all these denominations. That's why you do have all these like like divisions and stuff like that, which the Bible talks about not having that and all this other different stuff. So I think that's also a huge connect. But also I just feel like um the church we just don't answer the questions that need to be like we're willing to answer the questions like I, cause I know growing up in church um as a teen I could sit back and and and, and look and think like it, I don't to be honest I don't remember what we talked about like I don't remember us really addressing stuff that we actually deal with and go through right you know what I mean and I remember when I first became a a student pastor it was like 2018 I believe and um I went to a conference and I'll never forget this stuck out to me like a sore thumb and they did a statistic and they, you know, surveyed uh, kids that attended youth group and stuff like that. And they was like, what's the one thing you wish you would have learned when you was in youth group whatever? And they was like, they wish they were more equipped. Mm. And that stuck out to me so, to like a sore thumb because I wasn't equipped at all. I wasn't equipped, you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of times, we, like, sex was a, was, was was like a form, like, like that was a, uh, you talk about sex in the church? No. Like, you ain't supposed to talk about that. No. With sex? No. We don't talk about that. No. Oh, but I'm horny though. It don't matter. Pray to pray to it. it doesn't matter. It don't matter. 
Like, there's a lot of issues and things that are people that are are dealing with. And as a leader, that's your job. That's your job. Part of being a shepherd, a pastor, is not just about preaching sermons. That's a small portion of what you do. Okay, being a pastor is shepherding the flock, which is one, shepherding is guiding your flock, and then two, is protecting your flock. So you have to address these things. Be where people are at and actually be willing to have these conversations. Like, period. And uh, I, I don't see a lot of, like, well, now I'm starting to see it more and more, a little more often now where, you know, leaders were, you know, were stepping up and actually having these conversations and stuff like that. And then other religions when it come to play. Let's have conversations about that. Stop being scared because there's other, there's other stuff that's out here that needs to be addressed. And, you know, there's a lot of miseducation. Like, they're not being equipped and taught the right thing. So that's how a lot of people get led astray. That's how we have all these uh, people that are church and things of that nature because we haven't been uh, properly doing as the scripture says and things of that nature. But I ain't going to keep going because I ain't trying to say everything. I keep going. But those, those are some of my little pet peeves that I feel like is, it, is an issue with the church and things of that nature. Um, anything else to stick out to y'all? I think I have one too. Um, again, I don't think this is, you know, if we fix this, then everything is going to be fixed, right? Because because like Raven said, I think it's, there's so much, there's no bite-sized answer to this, but um, one of the things that really discouraged me a lot, um, especially as, you know, like I said, growing up in the church was um, I found a lot of the times um, when I would talk with people in the church or I would talk with even some of my family members who I considered, you know, very godly people. Um, a lot of times as I got older, I realized it was almost like picking and choosing what parts of scripture fit, you know, for their for their current goal or for, for what they want to do. You know, almost like a, you know, like a build a bear kind of kind of kind of, Bible, you know what I mean? And it was really strange to me that, um, you know, I was like, all right, well, well, how can we be so. You know, how can we harp on this? And, you know, Ivan, I guess I'll give an example. Like, how can we how can we really be upset that, you know, I'm on I'm on the stage, you know, singing with, you know, Madeline, who was not my wife at the time. And we still live together. And that's a big issue. But like, OK, but we not we not dealing with the issues. What about all these current events? Like, what about, you know, the civil unrest and Freddie Gray? Like, why aren't we, we talking about these things as well? Like, mm -hmm. you know, how why are we worried about some of these things, some of these small things? And like, we're not worried about the big picture issues. You know what I mean? And. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I remember one, you know, part of it came to a head um, during the the election in, I don't know, 2020, I guess it was or 2016 as well, too. I remember even having conversations like, like, how could you, you know, how could you vote for somebody like this? How could you do something like this? And it's like, oh, well, you know, in terms of, you know, this political party, oh, it, you know, they they're, you know, really against like abortion or something. I'm like, bet. As, as is your right, no problem. You know what I'm saying? But like, what about the other things that go against scripture and, and, and all the other things that are written in the Bible and, and loving our neighbors and, and treating each other with respect and kindness? Like, how come, how come we can take a small part here and, and like, we're not worried about all of the other things? So I think that was a big part for me was like, man, it, it really is. It was really discouraging to me to, you know, whenever there was a situation, it would always seem like, all right, I'm just going to take this small part of the Bible. And like, this is why we're doing this. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and kind of ignoring the rest. Okay, yeah, that's good. That's good, bro. Cause I definitely have plenty, plenty of uh, experiences where, uh, you know, or, or people just, you know, like piggybacking off you, just people like using scriptures out of context. You know, yeah. that happens all the yes. time. You know what I'm saying? They use it out of context all the time. People don't read, read or look at it in this context. It's just they learned it one way, or they read it too literal, or they don't look at the, the culture or context that it's referring to, and you know, they supply it like you know, mm -hmm. 
I still, I still, I still here today with my tattoos all the time. I'm like, yeah. let's have a seat, let's talk real quick. Sure, said, sure. you know, let's, let's have a conversation. Let's let's go. And this. that's what we need more of. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, and I yeah. think the scary thing is that's not happening. Yeah, you know we don't have enough people who are saying, you know what, let's actually sit down, and it turns into frustration. And you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, I think that's that, that's a lot. We we sometimes use scripture as a weapon, unfortunately. You know, what I mean? like we, we we can use it as a weapon. You know, tough. It, it sucks, but tough. you know, yeah. sometimes we do have a good habit of, of wounding our own men. You know, mm -hmm. I heard I've got heard I heard somebody say that before. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember who it is, but shout out to them. But that was a good that was a good powerful quote. Like cause I feel like a lot of times we do like you know we de we definitely do. Um, is there anything else that stick out to y'all? Y'all think? Um, you know I. I think, um, and, you know, Raven and Matt both, like, you know, did, like, bits and pieces of, of it, and it's essentially the same thing, as uh, I feel like a church, these days, we don't necessarily see it as what it was years ago or generations ago, especially in the Black church, if you think about it, you know, we, it was a safe haven, it was a place where you could kind of come together and talk more about community and talk more about you know, some of the things that were pressing and kind of Matt alluded to it a little bit like, hey, you know, focusing on things that were actually happening, like people were actually marching and actually getting hurt and sit-ins were happening and getting hurt and getting abused and things like that. And so when you see a presidential election these days, it's like, oh, well, you know, because we're abortion, we're going to vote conservative, you know, and kind of overlooking those things. It feels like a country club in many ways now, you know, and as we're young people, one, we naturally do not are not going to be interested in the same things that a mother and father were interested in. We're going to have, I mean, and I feel like the, a lot of churches do not necessarily speak to some of the realities that we're seeing and the harsh realities that we're seeing. And it's very difficult to jump up and down for a God that um, seems to have forgotten about a lot of people who are disenfranchised or communities that are suffering. And it's really, really difficult you know, and, but yet they want us to conform to what's already been. And there's nothing new to it, you know. And um, if we, if, if, if us five, you know, are, you know, have been in the church and have experienced it and at some point liked it, but at some point we're like, ah, eh, this stuff isn't lining up. How many more people are there going to be out there who don't, who may not have our level of tolerance or patience and, you know, to be like, you know, I'm not sitting through that. Like, I can call this out, like, what for what it is, you know, up front, you know. I think it's, and I think it does a lot of damage, too, that I think that is often, like, sugarcoated in a way and kind of, like, passed on as if, like, it, it's not as serious. So, like, what Matt was talking about being from New York and coming over to, you know, this side of town. And this was his, this was his support system, including, you know, what, uh, except for his wife or his girlfriend at the time mm -hmm. and for him to be done wrong and, you know, and to feel mm -hmm. such, you know, to feel like, you know, these things didn't matter, you know, and to be a young man and then to also have no support system over here, people would really look, you know, they, they don't really understand how deep that can actually cut unless you too have been like neglected in a way. And so Matt's not necessarily, just dealing with church hurt, but he's dealing with neglect. He's dealing with other things that's hard to like really like explain, you know, because of the gravity of what actually happened. And whereas nobody died or nobody was, you know, 
you know, severely or like no charges were brought up against, but it still hurts your spirit. And it's difficult to kind of get adjusted again and to kind of be open to trust again and to be open to not necessarily believe again, but to be like, hey, you know what, maybe I can do this thing without the church and maybe I can just, you know, focus on God. And like what I think Raven has said it earlier, it's like when you recognize like your, 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 you know, your bread of life, your, your spirit is fed by God himself. We begin to look for our deliverance and, and, and our connection to God without the church in mind, because at, at, at some point it's just like, I don't even believe in what they say they stand for. They got a mission statement, they got bylaws and all this stuff, but they don't really listen. They, they don't really even follow it. They don't believe it. So if they don't believe it, why should I believe it? And why should I give my money to it? And so there are all these rules. And yes, there is cherry picking. And yes, there is um, uh, uh, lack of education in the pulpits. All those things go along with it. And I just think that if you mix all those things up together, man, and you know, you, you have people come, you know, from different backgrounds, like the church is really going to be in trouble. And I think that after COVID, and I think uh, Chop was kind of, you know, alluding to this as well. Like after COVID, I think in the next 10 years, the church is really going to have to be really going to have a difficult time with trying to figure out like where it stands, because I think that COVID really, really shook things up. To, to the extent that a lot of churches we've seen are kind of like fading away, dying out. And I, I mean, at this point, they're going to have to really, you know, uh, really come to grips with themselves. Like, am I doing God's will by being a church or should I be somewhere else doing something else, supporting in a different way, you know? But you said something also, well, you said a few things and my mind was just like, oh, yep, 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 yep. When you said that, you know, we look at these things that take place, like I know if, as far as the body was concerned, when you said that, you know, how can I lift up my hands to a God that allowed this to happen? And I know COVID specifically was one of those things where people were like, well, I believe in God. COVID killed off all my family and yes. I believe in God and COVID shut my church down. And I think that and Holy Spirit, give me the wisdom to say this how I feel it. I think that one of the the areas that we're missing as a body, naturally we're all called to go forth and make disciples. That doesn't mean do it on a large scale, right? He who wins souls is wise. But we have to be able to win souls from the place of the full truth of who God is and not just the good part. Yep. You know, we, sure. we misunderstand what it means to be sovereign. God can choose to do a thing or not do a thing. He is God. And, you know, we, we, we know scriptures, but we overlook scriptures. Like, listen, I am the God of and the God of darkness. I bring calamity and I bring peace. And so we have to be able to sit and understand, you know, who we are, who God is one, the God yeah. that we serve to be able to give his testimony to somebody else. So that when calamity comes, we understand that it's just going to fall back on Romans. God works all things together for your good. We don't have to understand the why to understand that God is working it out. We don't have to understand that, you know, there are casualties of war. If we don't get to choose who lives and who dies, God does. Mm 
He's the God who gives and he's the God who takes away. But we do shy away from conversations. And I think, Ivan, that goes back to what you were talking about, just the knowledge. We want to present peace to everybody. We want to present just love to everybody. We want to present just the goodness of God to everybody and not the fullness of who he is. You know, we, we cannot pick and choose like how you were saying that and just build the gospel that we want people to receive about God. We have to give them the fullness of who God is. And if he's revealing these things are going to come and these things happen and I'm no respecter of persons, then we have to be open to the fact that calamity is going to come and be able to tell that to somebody. You know, we have to be able to say God's plan is God's plan. We don't have to have understanding, but let's seek him together. Let's seek his will concerning this together. I may not understand why God did it, but I know he allowed it. Let's seek his will. Let's seek his next steps together. But again, this goes back even to the beginning of a conversation. We want to spare people's feelings. It's not easy to tell somebody that, yeah, well, this happened. You know, it, it happened. It slid across the desk of God. It's here now. It happened. You know, it's not easy to tell somebody that it's not easy to tell somebody that God is the God of light and the God of darkness. It's not easy to tell somebody that God gave Saul a crazy mind. You know, people would ask questions. Well, what, what kind of God would do that? It's the same thing that we're walking out in our daily lives, but we have to learn that as you said, Ivan, the, the word is a weapon, but we need to stop aiming the barrel at the body and aiming at the enemy. You know, we have to use it for what it is and understand it in its fullness. And so, you know, some of this falling off and it, it, even the scripture. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I forget where it's at, but he said, um, you know, y'all go after your own way and then blame me. Blame you. Blame God. You These things apart and then you blame God. And that's where we see a lot of falling away, too, because we don't understand the will of God. You know, we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, that will be done. But we don't truly mean your will be done. Because if your will means the sacrifice of my first child, then what I'm going to say? Just kidding? Or if your will means me leaving my million dollar job and go start from scratch and start a ministry, did, did I mean your will then? If it means that I have to leave my mom and daddy's house and all of my best friends, did, did I really mean your will then? And that's where we fall short because how is somebody outside of the body supposed to see us? who are supposed to know God, walk according to his plans and purposes, and then see the fear and the chaos and the rebellion and the double-mindedness that we have and say, I want God. We have to be able to stand firm on the word in its full, you know, by revelation of the Holy Spirit so that we can give that testimony because that whole thing is the testimony of God. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then if we lead in truth, you know, the Holy Spirit, which has come, he will lead you into all truth and, you know, not speak on his own understanding, but only what the Father in heaven reveals, all of that. If we would be out here speaking and evangelizing and doing these things as the Father's truth reveals to us, we wouldn't have room for disappointment. There would be, it's easier to band together when you know someone telling you the truth from day one than trying to keep it together on the outside and you bring me into this thing and then I get in here and I see that you're falling apart. How is your God real if you're still falling apart? You didn't tell me that I would still have all of this on the other side of Christ. You didn't tell me that my my my, my addiction doesn't disappear overnight as soon as I confess, confess Christ. You didn't tell me that I don't suffer death and destruction and persecution as soon as I you know, and so they come in and then they fall away. We can't keep them because we haven't we haven't anchored ourselves into the fullness of who God is. And so that's and that's more of an individual fight. You know, if we start 
individually with accepting that God can choose. He is sovereign. That means whatever happens underneath this sun is he, he can choose. You know, he can dictate well, in our lives for those who allow him to move in our lives what he wants to do. You know, if we can stand in that and say, you know what, no matter how this goes down, I'm going to still bring people in. I know what it looked like on this side. I know it ain't always pretty. I know we will be persecuted, but I'm going I'm to lead with that. I'm not going to save that for the end. I'm not going to skip the conversations of, of sex and hell and condemnation and sin and repentance and just give you prosperity. I'm going to give you the fullness of who God is. He's prosperity too, but you still got to give me the rest. And that's where, you know, that's where that, oh, I can't lift my God who a God who can let this happen you know that's where that misunderstanding goes back to and that knowledge and that foundation being laid for these people and for us so you know that contributes to it too but go ahead because I went off on a little not nah, you know Raven <laughs> I, I love what you said man and, and Ivan we all kind of like alluded to it and, and and specifically spoke on it I from hearing everything right now and understanding what's going on I think that the one of the major issues um, I could be alone on this, but that's fine. You know what I mean? Like Jesus was by himself for a while. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm all right with it. But I, I think that the, one of the major issues is the breakdown between orthodoxy and orthopraxy. I really do. I, I really think that, think that's the, you know, that's one of the major things that's going on in, in the world. Can, can you tell people, because someone might listen, they don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, going, that I'm definitely means. going to it. Orthodoxy is, is basically like right teaching. It's like having the right understanding of something, right? And then orthopraxy is following, it's it's actually acting and doing based off of what you believe, right? I think a lot of people do based off of what they believe, right? But they don't believe the right thing. You know what I mean? Especially about God. Raven said it uh, earlier, you know what I mean? When we see these different denominations and, and different uh, factions of the church, some people call them abominations of the church, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, but, but, but when we see these different areas, you know what I mean? a lot of times we can either trace their tradition back to a belief that probably sometimes not even true. You know what I mean? And, and I'm not saying that they not they may not be a true church, but what I'm saying is that they're standing on something that they believe is true, but it's not biblical. Right. And, and I think that the, the lack of biblical knowledge is really hurting the church because yep. the Bible always speaks of this so much. If you believe something that's right, if, if you believe truth, right. Then the truth will cause you to do right? I'm not saved because I do good things, right? I'm saved because God saved me. Therefore, I do good things, right? If uh, It was Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. He said, you know, you are my workmanship created for good works, you know what I mean? And so my, my works are a product of what I believe. If I say I believe this and I don't do it, that means I don't really believe it to begin with, you know what I mean? And so I think that the, the, the you know, Biblical teaching is so undermined and, and, you know, because of either tradition, right, um, of, you know, people highlighting certain people over others, right? You know, we see it in the news all the time where you see a, a Bible teacher who may not even be, and we know who's not doctrinally sound, but they, they're going through scandals and they're going through different things. And I'm not saying that's, that's not, that's not exclusive, you know, that they're immune to it. But what I'm saying is that it starts with the teaching, you know what I mean? And it starts there. And, and when you see a compromise here, a little compromise there, you know what I mean? And trying to be and, and cultural relativism as well. You know what I mean? Just to be honest with it, you know, trying to be, you know, trying to say that everything, you know, is, cool, you know, is, you know, like the church can be cool. We can fit in with the culture. You know, yeah, it's OK to do this, do different things. And if you think about it, we're in a time and a place where we don't even know what a woman is. You know what I mean? We can't even define what a woman is. 
when God clearly said in Genesis, I made them and mankind made them male and female. You know what I mean? Then he created mankind, right? We can't even define what a woman is. You know what I mean? And so when, when you know, and, and where does that, where does this teaching come from? It goes back to what the word of God says. If you have the right understanding of who God is, like Raven mentioned, you know what I mean? And, and, and knowing how to approach God, right? Because also that's another thing as well. You know, a lot of people, I think that there's this really false idea that, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I can just approach God any way I want to. No, you can't. You know what I mean? I think scripture is clear on these things. Even even in the Old Testament, right? You, you look at you look at Moses, you, you look at the people of you know, Israel, you know, God told, you know, Moses, come up on this mountain, I'm gonna give you the law. Those people, you stay down there. You know what I mean? And if you touch this mountain, you'll get struck down, right? And people fail to realize that it's the same God. The same God that was in the Old Testament is the same God that's in the New, right? Jesus is the lion and the lamb, right? He came to, to he came the first time to to say, you know, to die and to become a ransom for sin. But the second time he's coming, he's coming with a sword. That's what he said. You know what I mean? And I think understanding the full scope of the gospel is is pertinent to, you know, to right living and to correct um, uh, church culture, if you will. Right. You know what I mean? And that's I just believe that. You know what I mean? I, I, I wholeheartedly believe it. I see it every day. And, you know, it's something that. Uh, yeah. No, I agree, cause um, ultimately, cause like we could list all day, all day and night about human error in the church and people being led by traditions, and you know, and granted, you know, the church will never be perfect because we're not simple as that. You know what I mean? We can list all that too. But I feel like a reason why a lot of people are leaving as well is because of you know, Raven, you pretty much said a lot of it. Thomas too. So I'm just reiterating what you guys are saying pretty much. But it's just like the fact that there's so much false teaching out here. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep it a buck. Like a lot of people, a lot of these um, pastors, you know, that people are listening to, they're not really teaching Orthodox scripture. Like they teach pretty much you centered things, right? So only two things are gonna happen when you're indulging you centered gospel is either a you might. Some things might happen to go your way, but you know what? I, I'm in control of this. You know, I can I can make God and convince God to do what I want, or B, nothing happens your way, and then you just fall away, because that's not how the gospel actually works. Right. They're teaching everything is about you. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're, not, they're not even exegeting scripture anymore. They're not reading what the Bible actually says. They're reading themselves into the into the text. You know what I'm saying? Like not, you know. And granted, okay, I gotta say this. This is okay. I gotta say this too. Like. All the time, when you realize, like, a lot of sermon series are the same, but they're just dressed in different ways. Mm-hmm. It's always it's always the same thing if you really think about it. Like, it, or these, I'm not saying every, like, because there are a lot of good churches that actually talk about more. You know, in the Bible, why are we always talking about purpose and relationships? And uh, and, and it's always the same two topics, three topics. All the, Like, there's so much stuff you can talk about in the Bible. And all we do is focus on your purpose and your and relationships and stuff like that. Like, that's all you're talking about. And all that's always centered around you and your feelings. And everything should go by your feelings. When naturally, that's not how God works. It's not about our feelings. It's, it's, it's not about us, right? And a lot of people get led astray, astray because of that. And then eventually when they start to realize that it ain't about them anymore, that's when they, you know, they go away. You know, because naturally all of us are selfish. That's part of our human nature, right? That's part of our flesh. And I think that's a real, real big reason why, you know, of, of, of what's going on, you know, because it's, it's it's turned into, like, what we can get out of God. Like, if I, you know, manifestation is a huge thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you think about this long enough, then it will happen. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're dictating what God's going to yeah. do. 
Like, if you, you're controlling him, when obviously the pandemic tells, tells, shows us completely that we have no control of anything, clearly. Like, none of us can control anything that happened, prevent it, COVID, none of that, right? We don't have no control how much you might think that we do. And a lot of the young people are getting straight away because, you know, they're responding more off their emotions and more off on, uh, you know, they think God should be, right? Versus who, who, who we actually is. And our leaders or the so-called leadership, you know, the popular ones that people like to look at because they dress nice, you know what I'm saying? Or they say cool things or they're always involved in culture into the church and things of that nature. You know, they, they're listening to them because, oh, they're more relatable. They're like me. They're the cool hip pastors, you know, and stuff like that, blah, blah. And that's kind of why I wish, you know, people looking at me because I want people looking at me thinking that because you, you're you not getting that of me. I, ain't, no, I don't do that over here. You know what I'm saying? But that's what attracts young people. Like, it's all intentional. Like, they're not saying these things. They're not looking a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain pastors, if you look at them 10 years ago, they didn't dress that way. Why all of a sudden, why all of a sudden now they dress it? And I'm not, and I'm not saying you can't step up your game, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you can't step things up. I, I get that. But come on, bro. Like, you're wearing like $2,000 Jordans now when you never did or never cared about it. You know what I mean? Like, like it, 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 you can tell it's intentional. They're intentionally doing these things, right? They're intentionally trying to attract young people for what? And get them saved, for, like, and, and have numbers down. Like, oh, we saved all these different people just because they said a prayer that, that doesn't even mean anything. You don't know nothing. You don't see no fruits or anything like that. So there's a lot of deception, unfortunately, that's going on in um, in some of the churches today. And it's really attracting the young people. And when it doesn't go their way, and you can go on YouTube and actually look up people's testimonies and what their experience is like at these places and what it's like and how they've been burnt out from serving and how some of these, like, they, like, they get to the point where there's idolatry. Yep. It's their idolatry. Like, they idolize these people. You know what I'm saying? Like, they idolize. You know, that's another reason why people leave, because they idolize your leaders too much. Like, they're God. And then, guess what? They mess up. Guess what? They get caught in something. Guess what? They might do something to actually make you mad for once, cause, you know, because they're human. And then, oh, everything is done now. Your whole your whole faith, everything is rocked because this one person you looked up to. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying don't look up to nobody. You know what I'm saying? We all have favorite people we like to listen to. But at the end of the day, they're not God. They're nothing like God. Never will be God. They're just the shepherd of God. They're God's vessel. God don't need. God doesn't need them. He can use whoever He wants. He don't need. He don't need them. He chooses them for that specific ministry for that specific community and things of that nature. So we can't be idolizing people. I think a lot of times we can get caught up in that, and that can cause us to straight away because someone get caught up, and then all of a sudden, oh man, like my favorite, like Christian, oh, I'm done with God and stuff like that because one person fell short when you fall short every day. You know what I mean? So I think that's a big indication too. Um, yeah. yeah, this is oh, this is good. All right, so I got two more. Then we are gonna wrap up because I ain't trying to take much too much of y'all time. It's getting a little late. All right, so um, so if you had an opportunity to talk to like a group of pastors in your area or things of that nature, what would the one thing you would tell them to keep mindful about, like the church, like how to like. Not, I mean, not telling them how to run the church, but what things they need to keep in mind, you know, to help them do the right things. Pretty much, like what, what, did, what do they need to keep? Like, if you could say say something to who to whoever, like, what would you tell them, like, to help them in their process of, you know, of, of running the church and things of that nature? So just understand that everybody ain't your ministry. You're not called to everybody. That's it. Okay. I'd say um, really 
you know, ask yourself, is this what God is telling you to do? Okay. Oh, that was cutthroat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it. Though. I like it. Though. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then his level of seriousness too. That's what made it even better. Right. I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> and I, I I would say honestly, man, just to have a is it me, Lord? You know, when when Jesus asked his disciple, you know, when he told his disciples that one of you will betray me, right? You know, they weren't looking around, pointing around, like yo, who is who's you know whose fault is who's going to do it. But all of them was like, is it me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, am I a part of the problem? And so it starts there. I think that if everyone had that mindset of like, is it me? You know what I mean? Considering that, then, um, you know, so just, you know, any pastor I would say is, you know, are, you know, look at yourself. Are you the problem in the, in the situation? You know, and um, yeah, let's go from there, from there, pray and uh, seek the Lord. Okay. Okay. And also fall in love with your testimony. Like, I think sometimes we're ashamed of what was, but that's the thing that what what does Revelation say? We they they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of and the word of their testimony. testimony. Yeah, fall in love with your testimony because if you if you lead from that place of authenticity, that's it. Amen. If I can ask myself, I, I ask myself this question every day, um, as a reminder. Uh, especially like being the pastor and stuff like that and like or, or if I, okay let's say if I'm talking to somebody okay let's say I'm talking to somebody but really I'm talking to myself too um for starters what's more important to you culture or, or God mm. that's the first thing that comes into my mind because at the end of the day culture will always try to dictate the narrative or what or what God should be or what God should do or what God should allow and stuff like that when they're not the bosses. They're, they're not, no. So first and foremost, if you're going to be a leader, you have to already have that thought about, like, what's going to be more important to you? Culture or the gospel? What's going to be more important to you? Because at the end of the day, both can't coexist. Bible clearly talks about that. You can't coexist with both. You know, there's different cultures and things of that nature and, and, and you know, you know, there's different, you know, Things you have to, but at the end of the day, you can't coexist. It cannot. So, yeah, that's a decision you already gonna have to make all, from the jump. Is which one's gonna be more important? What the culture says, pleasing everybody, want everyone to be your friend. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Trying to please people that really don't care about you until you do something wrong, then they go fish fish you out anyway. Or you will go about the creator of the universe is, has control of your salvation. That's one thing. Um, I would definitely say. And then lastly, make sure you have education. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you got to be have your doctrine, but what I'm saying is you need to at least know the core yeah. doctrine and how to teach it. You know what I'm saying? At least know the core things, how to actually, you know, communicate what the gospel is and not just say, okay, repeat this after you. No, I want, no, I need, need one more. Day. No, don't. I don't need to repeat after me stuff. No, I need to actually explain it. And then also realize to um, when you share share truth and love, always. Mm-hmm. Always share truth and love. Because um, at the end of the day, let God's word do that. You don't have to add no extra emphasis in your attitude and things of that nature. Like God's word will, 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 will cut what it needs to cut anyway. You don't need to add no extra zazz or extra spice to it. You know what I'm saying? God's word will do it alone. Also, you know, 
be loving, be gentle, as Paul said. Be gentle when we're sharing that truth with people. You know what I'm saying? Like, be willing to have those hard conversations and say things that people are, you know, they're not going to like. And honestly, even if you, no matter how loving you are, they ain't going to like it anyway. I mean, let's just be honest. I've already been there. <laughs> no matter how loving you say, you can get someone $100 while you tell them, it, it don't matter. They're still going to be mad at you. But at the end of the day, you're still playing that seed. You're still honoring God, and you're not letting people dictate what, you know, what God is telling you to do, so. I'll say those things. And those honestly things I remind myself every day. You know what I'm saying? Because, yeah, it's definitely important. Um, so, uh, lastly, let's just end with – let's end – okay, my bad. I lied. There's one other thing I got to end. But I, I do have to send this question out. I think it's an important question that, uh, to 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 quickly talk about real quick. Um, All right. So, do y'all think uh, church is still important? And if you do, tell me, tell me why, or explain to us why, why church is important. If you think that, I mean, I don't separate the church from the body, so I think the body is very much important, very okay. important. Okay. Yeah, I'm with Raven. I'm more so like on, um, not necessarily maybe the culture of church as we've understood it, but um, in terms of like Raven was saying, uh, like the fellowship, the body, that type of thing. You know, Scripture says don't forsake the fellowship. Um, and so I think that that's important, whether they're coming to Raven Salon, whether they're coming to, you know, uh, her prayer night, whether they're coming to a gathering, um, you know, I think all of that's important. Yeah, I'll echo what you said, Kirk. You know, I literally had the scripture sitting here, Hebrews 10, uh, 25, you know, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves, right? Uh, as you've done, you know, in habit. Some, you know, this habit, uh, COVID has, you know, drove us to the habit of not, you know, uh, assembling ourselves, right? And so, um, you know, whether you're in a traditional church building, right, or just, you know, in anywhere, you know, I mean, the fact is everyone's been, has been separated, but, you know, I think that you have to find ways to now, you know, really be intentional with, um, with not abandoning the, the members, right, you know, to the body and, and keeping that body together. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Matt, do you have any comments? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I just everything you guys said really resonates with me. Um, I think that again, it's less for it's less for the four walls for me, especially you know who's somebody who's still looking and 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 searching for that spot. And um, you know, I'm I'm a believer too that you know some of the most powerful moments that I've had in terms of the church have not come within those four walls. It's come with fellowship with others and yeah. mm -hmm. um. You know, something as simple as, you know, I've been talking after a basketball game and, and you know, having a real conversation or meeting at somebody's house and, you know, hearing a song on the radio and things like that. You know, those things are are so powerful to me. So, um, yeah, I think that, the, you know, I think the church is important, but but in the not in the traditional sense that, you know, maybe some people when you would ask them that question would say. So. Gotcha. I'm, I, I love how y'all specified that, too. You know what I'm saying? I love how y'all specified that, because that's really what the church. Like, if you look at. First century, first century church. When you look at it, like, because a lot of people, when they think church, they think about these big, huge buildings. You know, they think about square feet. They think about huge light shows. They, they think about big worship sets and, and pastors sure, and church. <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, they think of it as like a show, right? Like, we're, to the point where they don't even call it service anymore. It's, it's an experience. Mm. Or, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. But anyways, <laughs> but when, uh, when you look at the, the, the original church that started, like, when you look at it, right in the first century like it wasn't about that like it's they literally met in homes 
right? They literally met at people's houses, right? They went house to house and things of that nature. I mean, and I get Rome, Rome, Roman politics had a lot to do with that too, but you know, they didn't like Christians or anything like that. It's persecution and stuff like that. But the idea of it, like if you read Acts, what was it, Acts three, I think, when it talks about what the church, the first, like what the first church actually like did with one another, mm-hmm. like, they literally had fellowship. Like they literally gave materials to other people in the church that were in need. Like there was one person that that taught, but it wasn't like a CEO setup. Like they, there was church was never you know made to have one person as like the boss of it. It was it was always, it was always a plurality. I can't say the freaking word. It was a bunch of it's a bunch of them. Well, I, I can't say I can't say the word right now. But anyways, it was it was always a, a multitude of, of leaders. It wasn't just one person like how a lot of churches are set up today. You know what I mean? Mm. And then the main you know the main thing they did for worship was communion in the first century. Like that's what they did communion. Remember the, what Jesus did on the cross for them. That was their main thing of worship. It wasn't the, uh, a huge conference all the time. It wasn't just the, oh, you think you're just the best speaker and you got them. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't that. It was all community-based together, equipment together, handled issues together. It wasn't one person that was in charge. And that's where I think the issues and problems, you know, comes when it comes to church anyway, when you got one person that's the boss and it's your, your way on the highway. So, like, when I look at that and look how church originally started, like, that's how the church should – that's how it should be. It shouldn't be – you know what I'm saying? I'm not even saying, like, people with big facilities are, like, not every mega church is, like, false and they're, you know, they're money-hungry and stuff like that. Because, you know, some I used to think that, you know, back in the day. But not, they're not all like that. You know what I'm saying? Just like, like not all smaller churches all do the right thing either. Because sometimes mm-hmm. the smaller family churches be the most toxic ones to be a part of. You know what dangerous, I'm saying? Dangerous. You know, if very you dangerous. You know what I mean? But I think it's just focusing on fellowship together and making Jesus the center of it. Not about the order of, you know, in scripture, I don't see no order of service. There ain't no order of service in scripture. Like, where at? Where was it? Third Corinthians? That's where it's at. I don't know where it's at. We don't know where it's at. There's no, we, we, emphasize, we just emphasize too much about the church. Where we, it just needs to be where it eventually started at anyway. About fellowship, community, knowing who the people are in the church. Knowing what they're dealing with. If there are problems, you actually deal with the problems together. You know what I'm saying? Like, you actually approach the person. You don't spread gossip and lies. You know, you go to the person. You talk about it. They don't want to listen. You bring another person to address the situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it's about. And that's definitely needed, you know, especially in the world that we live in today. There's so much going on in the world. You got mass shootings. You got all this all this craziness is out here right now. And what we need is our fellowship. We need the church. The last thing we need to do, we don't need institutions. We don't need people that are, are, are in these positions that are don't have good intentions and don't are not really doing what the, uh, Jesus intended for the church to actually be. So, yes, you know, I definitely agree. Church is important, but not the institute. You know what I'm saying? Not the tradition, not the, 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 the no, we need actual fellowship. I mean, I'm not talking about, oh, you watch a sermon online. Or yeah, you went on Sunday yeah. service. No, I'm not talking, but that's not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about during the week. That's what really matters. That's what really matters. Like during the week, during when life hits, like, like you go to church, you get your little spiritual high, you know, everything's feeling good, you know, something. Then Monday hits. Now you're back, now you're back in it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where, that's where it matters. Where, like who are you fellowshipping with? Who are you growing with? Who are you having Bible study with? Who, who's actually praying for you? You know, who's actually. You know, doing these things for you. Who, who's, you know, in, in, in James five sixteen says, confess to one another, pray for another one, so you may be healed. Like that, that's part of church, yep. and that's what we need. 
and that can't be abandoned, you know. And I think COVID was a good thing because, as Thomas, you know, kept saying, it shook up the dynamic mm-hmm. where we can't be dependent on a building anymore, mm-hmm. which a lot of people are. They're dependent on the building. They're dependent on the entertainment aspect of church, and that's not what it's for. You know what I mean? And it really got people to actually realize what the church is, and that's us. We make that up. Church ain't nothing. You know, we, we know that church ain't a building or anything like that. So, um, not to go off on a tangent, but that's how the church was in the first century. It wasn't about all the stuff we see today. You know, and over time, unfortunately, you know, that stuff changes, you know. And then when you got money aspect going into it, you know, that that's a whole other conversation, too. Which, oh, yeah, by the way, not all churches want your money and money hungry and stuff like that. And not all that are rich. You're talking to one. I'm not rich at all, you know. If you actually if you want to make money, don't become don't be a pastor. Don't preach the word of God. If you yeah, say, don't preach, yeah, don't actually preach orthodox because you will not be rich at all. I'm gonna make that I'm not rich at all. Yeah, definitely not rich. Yeah, just, just want to throw that. That's the wrong profession. Be a doctor or, or start playing basketball or I don't. If you want to be able to make money, that that nah, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> we we you talking about a few five six you know people no you know what I'm saying like. Most churches you see their pastor drives like a Volvo, Honda Accord, you know something, you know something slight, and you got people in the congregation who drive better with them. You know, say it's a lead pastor. So I just want to, you know, you know, all that out there. Uh, but as we wrap up, because I know it's been an hour thirty, and I, you know, this has been a dope, fun conversation, guys. Like, thank you guys once again. Um, real quickly, you know, just a thought here. Anyone can respond. Um, what can we? do to further help, you know, the younger generation and help them reconnect with fellowship and, you know, the true church and things of that nature. Like what, what do you think we, we should continue to start doing more? Like what's the, you know, the, the, the action step? Cause it's always good to make sure we have conversations and whether you have a mess, you preaching a message or having a teaching and stuff like that. But what you got to do is have a follow-up, you know, of what, what to do now, like what, what to continue to do. So what would y'all think is, is, you know, for people that are, you know, are going to try to give it, you know, what, 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 what do you think should be the next follow step when it comes to this? To bring people into church? I mean, not really bring people into church, but how we can, uh, help, help the younger generation, you know, like see it, like see like the viewpoint of what church is and things of that nature. Like how can mm. help the young generation, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Cause the young generation, they're the ones that, you know, are really affected by it either they're being misled by it most of most of the time or they're you know they're just totally turned off because of you know various different reasons so i think you know what's one way we can help them um i think it goes back to what you said this is living testimony right now A fifty four. my daughter who was 11 texted me and said will the world ever end and when are you going to make mac and cheese <laughs> the title of a book <laughs> Right, that's Jay Sally. Hey, I'll read it. I'll read it. And literally, my response was, "Girl, why? Do, why are you asking me this for right now?" But the Holy Spirit said, "No, give her my word." And I had to tell an eleven-year-old girl, <laughs> Isaiah twenty-four, that the Lord is going to completely destroy, destroy the earth and everything in it. Her follow-up question was, "Why?" And I had to send her Revelation twenty-one, a new heaven and a new earth. Mm-hmm. Then she said, "Well, when?" I said. No one knows the day nor the hour. And I think that um, when it comes to young, and not just youth, but younger than us, we miss those opportunities. We we become immediately like, what? What, what do you mean? Instead of Come just on, giving them. Yes. Just have those conversations. 
Right. Yeah. When the door is open, like um, I talk about this all the time because God opened my eyes up to it earlier this year when Paul went. I forgot where he went. He was everywhere, but he went into some place and they had um, they had false gods carved up and the inscriptions on the gods were like to the unknown God. Come on now. Yeah. And Paul looked around and he was like blown because he's like, they got all these false gods out here. Like, I don't even want to be here for real. I'm about to turn around and roll out. But instead of doing the opposite, because we all get into sticky waters where we're like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to have a conversation. Instead of walking the opposite direction, Paul used that moment as a door. He saw an opening. He went to those people who carved those inscriptions on those man-made gods and said, hey, you, I know the unknown God that you speak about on your inscriptions over here. He is this. And redirected their entire focus from something that they didn't know to the true and living God. He found an opening to give them truth. And so we could just do that and not shy away from like this one lady, like literally lost her mind when I took a temp job and I was talking about Jesus in in, in a government building. She literally came out of her office and like found me and was like, I'm sorry, do you know that this is a government building? Like, are you sure that you want to talk about Jesus? And I'm like, well, why not? Mm. Why not? Why hold the weight of your boss more than the name of Jesus? Y'all can't harm me here. Like, what? It, what is the difference? But if we literally take these small, insignificant that we think moments and use them as doorways to give them the gospel, it's gentle, it's truth. The word is alive and active. It's going to go forth and do what it does with or without us being there for the follow-up. If we just use those moments to give them God, then I think naturally, because just in the example I gave you, my daughter had two whole follow up questions that I was able to go deeper into the word with her. And she's 11. You know, so if we just answer the questions honestly and continue to invite people, because, you know, statistically, they say 70 percent of people don't go to church because they're not invited, which is crazy. Um, But just invite people and give them the gospel as soon as the doors open. If the enemy don't wait to give him the kingdom of darkness when the doors open, then we should not wait to give them the gospel as we know it when the doors open. So just that's all I said. Just be more intentional about giving God as an answer instead of our own opinion. Yeah, good. That's good. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Man, Raven, you know, what you said, it just, it touched me on on just different levels because, you know, the the main thing that I heard from you was engage the culture, right? You know what I'm saying? Engage it. And and the thing is, the the beautiful thing about that is you can do it on your own platform that God's made uniquely for you. You know what I mean? You got your shop. Ivan has his podcast. Matt got the studio, you know what I'm saying, in the back. You know what I mean? He could, you know. (laughs) So so there's there's different, you know, or or whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever God has gifted you in, you know what I'm saying? You can use that platform to, you know what I'm saying, to to reach those people because at the end of the day, what we have to realize is that the soul is always hungry. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. Jesus said that the labor, that the harvest is, is, is plentiful, right? But the laborers are few. And so having that mindset to be like, man, the people out here, they need the gospel, right? And you're looking for opportunities to do that, right? And, and you know, you look for the opportunities, you pray by the spirit to be sensitive to that, you know what I'm saying? And then you engage that moment, you know what I mean? And, 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 and what Paul said, do not grow weary of doing good, right? You know what I mean? So we do that. Um, and the last thing I say, and the last thing I just want to add is uh, just, just uh, f- you know, to, to help all the younger generation is to be, is to do what Paul, you know, suggested and, and, you know, and what he exclaimed, he said, 
I become a debtor to both God and man. You know what I mean? That he felt indebted to people. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the people that that we that we don't know. I'm talking about people that we do know. The people that are that that lead us. You know what I'm saying? That that hurt us. You know what yeah. I mean? Those people that hurt us and those people that help us. You know what I mean? We 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 have to be a debtor to those people who hurt and 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 those who help us as well. You know what I mean? Because Jesus called us to do that, right? He said that you know. What Jesus is the ultimate example, right? You know what I mean? He who knew no sin, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. You know what I mean? And so being a common debtor, you know what I mean? Engaging the culture, you know, uh, being sensitive to those who are hungry. And again, man, just um, becoming a debtor to both God and man. You know what I mean? If I'm indebted to you, I'm going to do something. I'm going to make sure that the gospel's in your face. I'm going to preach. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to follow up, Ivan, like you said. And I'm gonna just and get you know and and do what I can so that I may win some. So that's what I would say. Thank you, brother Thomas. Yes. And I think too, along the along those same lines, um, is you know when when you're not afraid to have those conversations and you're willing, um, I think it's also important to to make sure that you. I mean, as simple as it sounds, you know, I heard this quote from a movie one time, um, that said, you know, when they were talking about Christianity, it said. You know, how am I supposed to help somebody if I don't know the right story to tell them, you know, mm. so, so being able to be, you know, to, to, to be, you know, like you said, fed in the spirit, Raven, like it, like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to get it from, you know, church leadership, as you mentioned. And I love how you put it, um, but just making sure that we're being diligent, you know, reading our Bibles, but helping people, you know, making sure that our heart is is aligned with you know, with the love of God, honestly, because, you know, you want to be able to show God's love in the things that you do and in the stories that you tell people. And I think that that's one of the one of the strongest things for me, you know, is is that, I, you know, I, I don't feel I don't feel disconnected from God, even though I'm not going to church right now, because, you know, I get to impact the lives of, you know, 100 young people every day. Um, and I can do that in so many ways. And sometimes it's, you know, reaching out to them or something that's small and you know how are you doing you know and just being able to tell them the right story and being able to show them the love of god through my actions i think it i think those things are so important and and i wish that more people growing up would have just gave me a little bit of time like that mm. yeah thank you yeah I, you know i i think um raven had hinted to this earlier so i'm stealing her answer uh it's uh authenticity yeah. um and I would have to say practicing humility. I think that when um, Christ had rose from the dead, he showed up uh, at their gathering, at the disciples' gathering, and he actually showed Thomas his wounds. There was a ministry inside of his wounds, even though, you know, he could have easily said, you don't know what I did, and, you know, and, and you, won't, you won't believe until you do what, but he actually was humble and actually showed him and actually allowed him to feel, and I think that, Young people are looking for authenticity. They're looking for they look for someone who's touchable, who's reachable, yep. um, who can be, you know, um, who can be attainable, you know. And so I think that so often we put a lot of people on pedestals and they seem so far away. And I just think that uh, we have to be like Christ and to allow ourselves to be touched and to be willing, um, like Matt said, to have the conversations um, and to just really use that humility, even if someone just doesn't honestly know like that's our opportunity and i'll just add one other i guess a little thing because i pretty much said everything perfectly uh i, I mean I, I was i think being genuine of course is definitely a key thing um you know what i'm saying because 
especially with the, and, and it's funny because the part one episode when I was with, uh, you know, my pastor friends, we were talking about how like, uh, especially when you, you, they're always trying to find someone to talk to the youth or younger people. They always try to find someone that looks hip and stuff like that. And then we even talked about like sometimes in the past, like, we try to add culture things on purpose. But really, they don't like. They really don't care about that. Like, it doesn't really like. It don't matter. Like, they care, they just want you to be you. Like, if you even look at a lot of like student pastors, stuff like that, a lot of them be older. Mm-hmm. A lot of older guys that's been in it for a long time and older, and the kids still love and respond to them because they who they're who they are. They're genuine. They genuinely care about them. They don't. They don't they're not looking for an, another like companion like them. They're not looking. No, they, they they already got enough of that at school and their friends and stuff like that. No, they're looking for someone that that can be there for them. Looking for someone that's truly genuine and to themselves and that's willing to um engage in their questions so i think that's important and then obviously important too is like for us to be willing to like mentor to be it like to be a disciple you know what i mean because uh that's you know that's important that's part of uh jesus command to go out and make disciples and really to sit down and actually mentor and teach people that you know and teach people like what jesus who jesus is what the gospel is what certain things are you know when you look at uh paul and timothy for instance, you know, that was, you know, Timothy was Paul's protege. Like he mentored him before he, Timothy went out and did his, his leadership. Like, you know, that, that shows us like, you know, even as a leader or someone that, you know, we need someone that's, you know, pouring into us or someone that, you know, can hold us accountable with things in our life. And I feel like for us, we need to be more willing to mentor someone that's younger or like a young adult, you know, especially young adults too, because that's an area in the church that needs to be more, you know, looked at too, because, uh, once you become an adult, like from like 18 or like 30, 35, you know what I mean? Like that's still an area in your life where you're trying to figure out your life, purpose, finances, relationships, all this different stuff. And that's an area in the church that needs to be addressed a lot more too. So like even like a young adult, like having someone that like that, you know, that will allow you to mentor them and to pour into them like on a like not not just like, okay, I'm gonna share like the gospel with them and then, you know, that's it. But actually walking with them and, you know, and helping them and learn these things because at the end of the day, like, you can give your life to Jesus and stuff like that and be with Jesus, but there's things in the Bible you just don't, you won't understand, you know, unless someone can at least tell you, okay, this is why I just say this, because in the Old Testament, you know, this is for the Israelites, you know, this ain't, has nothing to do with us, and this in the ancient Near East, and this culture, you know, that can really explain it and break it down to you so that way you can understand, you know what I mean? So I think uh, us being willing to uh, to mentor, put somebody under our, our, our wing, you know, and, and uh being there for them, like, you know, not every single day, you're not, the, you know, you know, not every single day, but, you know, willing to be like to really walk with them and really disciple them and be there with them. I think it will be really helpful uh, to the younger generation as well, because sometimes I feel like we just want a whole bunch, like, especially when I've seen a lot of churches, unfortunately, I feel like they just want a whole bunch of students because it looks good. You know what I'm saying? They want a whole bunch of students or, mm-hmm. or young adults because it looks good for the numbers and things of that nature. But like people grow through discipleship people grow by you know intentionally teaching them things not by you just you know share the gospel one time and that's it no it's a it's a process you don't share the god you don't share the god you don't give your life to jesus and then bam all right that's it <laughs> you know what i'm saying all right life is good you know about problems with lust and all types of stuff is just gonna go away now because i accepted jesus in my heart no it does not all that all that's going to do is the holy spirit is going to remind you you can't do this anymore you know what i'm saying like it's, it's going to be a little more difficult but if you have someone that's there, you know, to walk with you and to disciple you and things of that nature, I feel like, you know, that could be definitely beneficial for the younger generation, the young adults, and, you know, even ourselves, too. So, you know, uh, just to throw that tip in. But, uh, I mean, hey, this was a, a great episode. I mean, 
thank you guys again for like for taking the time out of your busy schedules just to have this conversation because I think it's well needed. And I believe you know this video or you know this video will uh, least impact some people, and that's the goal. Like the goal. I don't care if it's just one person impacts. That's cool with me. You know what I mean? Like I know God spoke through each and every one of us to you know for this conversation that needs to be had in our culture, and you know this. You know, I'm, I might keep this series going. I don't know. I need to see what God tells me, but or what God's going to show me. But um, I appreciate y'all. Uh, real quickly, can you just tell people where they can, you know, find you on like social media stuff like that? You know, just in case you know people want to, you know, ask a question or something like that. You know, people like people like what well, y'all social media, y'all Instagram. I follow all y'all Instagram. Come on, well, I tell y'all Instagram for y'all. <laughs> hey, listen, for me, I was going to be up front. I don't really be on Instagram like that anymore. Uh, God has allowed me, you know, he's, you know, kind of challenged me to be off of social media, but I do pop in from time to time and, you know, and I do thank you, you know what I'm saying, for allowing, you know, from, you know, Man, I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask for that. I just said, tell me, you had you giving disclaimers. First thing I ask God, who's the hell of my life, you know what I'm saying, to my back. Thanks, man. Nah, but seriously, you know, thanks for allowing me to be on there. You can find me on social media, Instagram. Chop underscore drop underscore roll. That's it. Chop underscore drop. <laughs> Thanks for being here. <laughs> I just want to hear you say your Instagram name. <laughs> Anyone else throw your Instagrams out? Facebook's yeah. out with me, you know. Yeah, okay. On Facebook, Raven McKenzie. Ah. <laughs> I'll be on Instagram, but not really. So You're right, right. Facebook yeah. too, you know what I'm saying? Thomas Dotson, you can you can find me on there. It's too late. You had your moments too late. <laughs> it's too late. Yeah, and you can see me on Instagram at Justice B U R N Burn. So yeah, that's me. And um you can find me at my name Kirk Baltimore on Instagram. And I also do a, a black mental health podcast uh, called Black Freudish. Right. So it's Black Freud underscore ISH. Um, and it can also be found through my page, too. That's right. And also, Ivan, just I want to thank you for just sharing on this topic. It's it's definitely something that, like, you know, not a lot of churches and ministers are doing. So, like, it's it's very, you know, encouraging to see young black ministers out there that are kind of, you know, bringing light to this issue. So it's definitely needed. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. I just feel like it's something that in our communities, you know, it just needs to be more talked about, you know, and, and yes, I'm a minister and I'm talking about this situation because, you know, I'm not sensitive about it because, you know, as people, we make mistakes. No matter where you go in any profession, there's always going to be issues and problems, right? Because we're messy. Us humans, we're messy, right? And the church is, is no different. And, you know, sometimes they like to, you know, try to play it off or masquerade it. They like, nah, no, <laughs> um, no. I'm gonna be. We're gonna be upfront about the stuff that needs to talk about, but it, but people still can be redeemed. We can still correct things, you know, mm-hmm. like nothing set in stone. But these conversations need to happen, so you know. But y'all, this is it. It's been an hour and fifty minutes. So please watch every every last minute. Of it. I don't care if you have to break it up in half hour segments, whatever <laughs> you have to do. But please watch this whole entire thing because this is definitely been a good one, very impactful one. In part three, hey, you might have to be another one because, you know, there's still an ongoing thing. We, there's still stuff we really, you know, can even, this is just scratching the surface, really. But I appreciate y'all. Love y'all. We out. Peace. Peace. Appreciate it, y'all.